Please join me in the prayer for illumination. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, you are the giver of the spirit of wisdom and revelation. God, you restore all things in Christ. Open the eyes of our hearts this morning and teach us to know the hope to which you have called us so that we might learn to see you in the face of those in need around us. Amen. Today's scripture is from the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, starting in verse 15. Since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, this is the reason that I don't stop giving thanks to God for you when I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation that makes God known to you. I pray that the eyes of your heart will have enough light to see what is the hope of God's call, what is the richness of God's glorious inheritance among believers, and what is the overwhelming greatness of God's power that is working among us believers. This power is conferred by the energy of God's powerful strength. God's power was at work in Christ when God raised him from the dead and sat him at God's right side in the heavens, far above every ruler and authority and power and angelic power, any power that might be named, not only now, but in the future. God put everything under Christ's feet and made him head of everything in the church, which is his body. His body, the church, is the fullness of Christ who fills everything in every way. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So I remember the first time I uh, thought it was all made up, right? Like I wasn't too sure about the whole God thing, the whole Jesus thing, the whole Christianity thing. I thought maybe it was just all a big lie. Uh, someone had, had made this lie uh, up. Maybe Jesus made it all up, and uh, I was really struggling. I remember that very specifically, very vividly. I was um, 12 years old or so, and I was on the riding lawnmower, kind of in our side yard, just cutting grass. Uh, probably, that was, probably should be a pastor, right? If you're 12 years old and you're having those questions and thoughts on riding lawnmower, uh, you're called to ministry. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> so I was sitting there, I was like, well, what if someone did make it all up, right? What if this Jesus thing isn't real? What if it's all uh, just a bunch of hogwash? It's crazy, crazy talk. And I, I began to doubt. I began to wrestle with that. And I didn't know how to understand Jesus. Because, uh, you know, I'd heard about sort of Jesus as Lord, Jesus as King, that you should invite Jesus into your life to be King of your life, to be, to be Lord of your life. And I wasn't sure about that because I, I wanted to be Lord of my life. <laughs> I wanted to be King of my life. I wanted to, to rule my life. I didn't want someone else to rule my life. Right? I wanted to call the shots. I didn't want God to call the shots. And I'm not sure, as we heard earlier, right, in the beginning of Ephesians, Paul says he prays for a, a spirit of wisdom to kind of come amongst the church. I'm not sure that God was being made known to me in a spirit of wisdom in that moment. God seemed distant. God seemed sort of uh, over there. God was definitely not the Lord of my life because I was Lord of my life. And I was wrestling with that. Very, very, um, very, very real. And so, I, the question I want to ask a little bit is, what makes someone ready, right? What makes someone ready to wrestle with that? And how does someone go from questioning, sort of, is 
Is Jesus real? Is, is Jesus who Jesus says he is? Is Jesus Lord? What makes someone ready to wrestle with that and then to move into accepting that and saying, yes, I believe Jesus is Lord. I believe Jesus is King. What, what makes someone ready for that? And I think it boils down to two things, right? The first is personal experience. I think a lot of faith, uh, a lot of sort of the, the, the questions and doubts is just something that we go through. And you have to experience it to sort of live it and feel it and for it to take root in your life. Um, the second thing I think that helps people maybe take a step in that direction of, of admitting Christ as Lord, of admitting Christ as King, is a good logical argument. Now, I should say that, that faith doesn't always make sense, right? That's why we call it faith. There are many things that are a mystery of the faith, things that we take on faith, we walk by faith. I think that faith is an experience and it doesn't always have to make sense, but I think there are some things about our faith that are logical and that can make sense. So faith doesn't always make sense, but I think it can make sense. And I believe that it's both. It's both these experience and a logical argument that help move people in a, a next step of sort of understanding and, and coming under the lordship and reign and rule of Christ. So my prayer for today on Christ the King Sunday is that we would have a spirit of wisdom here, that Christ would be made known to us, as Paul said in his letter. That the spirit of wisdom would be here and that we would recognize that Christ is Lord over everything. And so the question that I'd like us to wrestle with is, is Jesus Lord? And now a little disclaimer here, right? You're going to hear me kind of waffle back and forth between two words, right? You'll hear me waffle back and forth between King and Lord. And they're essentially sort of the same thing. And let me tell you why. The early church really struggled with this. And uh, you need to remember that uh, the early church was born sort of under the, the rulership of the Roman Empire, right? Nod your head, you're following along with me. The Roman Empire was kind of where Christianity began. And there was this person who was in charge of the Roman Empire uh, called Caesar. And the proclamation that one would have to make to be a, a good Roman citizen is Caesar is Lord. So you can kind of practice your own little household code. You can sort of practice sort of whatever religion you had, as long as that was all under the lordship and kingship of Caesar. As a Roman citizen, you would take uh, uh, like a little bit of incense and you'd throw it on the altar, and that was your offering to Caesar. Caesar was elevated to the point of a god, to the point of this lord. And you would say, Caesar is lord. And then the Roman Empire would let you do your business. Now you can imagine that this was um, problematic for the early believers because they had a different confession. They had a different posture of belief. They had a different conviction. Right? They didn't think that Caesar was Lord. They didn't think that Caesar was some sort of God. And they had experienced God. They had experienced the risen Christ. They said, Jesus is Lord. So that's where this saying sort of is birthed from. It comes from the early church. It comes out of contradistinction to the Roman Empire and saying, no, we don't believe that Caesar is Lord. We believe that Jesus is Lord. And it radically changed the early church. It became sort of a creed, a confessional statement of the early church. And so you'll hear me today waffle back and forth between the words Lord 
and king. I just want us to all be clear, they're sort of the same thing. Okay? Nod your head. All the same thing. Fantastic. Lord, king, good. Christ the Lord, Christ the king Sunday. It's very good. So many people have wrestled with this throughout the years and what this meant. Um, And I have lots of friends from different uh, traditions and uh, lots of people who have no tradition who are atheists. Um, And they would always claim a couple things about Jesus. They would say, you know, I I like this Jesus person. I like what this Jesus person says. Um, I've read some of the Bible. It's got some good stuff in there. But this whole entire thing about, like, Jesus being Lord, I don't know about that part, right? So they would say Jesus is a good teacher, a good moral teacher. How many of you have heard a friend or relative say something like that? They'd say Jesus is a good teacher, right? But he's not necessarily God. Okay, this is really what I was wrestling with that day on the lawnmower. (laughs) <laughs> they're sitting there. And like, is Jesus really Lord? Okay, well, if Jesus was a good teacher, and we can find common ground on that, we would say that Jesus taught some great things. Jesus taught us to love our neighbors as ourselves. He taught us to pray for those who persecute you. Taught us that your posture should not be one of selfishness, but should be one of selflessness. Should be one of joy and hope and peace. If we can all agree that those are great things, great teachings then what about the other stuff that Jesus says? When Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and the Father are one. And Jesus claims to be sort of Lord. What about that stuff, right? It's a whole entire different sort of argument. So there are three things that sort of lay before us when we consider Jesus as king, if he's really saying that, and uh, his good teacher status. Right? The first option is Jesus is who Jesus says he is, right? Which would be Lord. Right? Maybe Jesus is Lord. That's who he claims to be. The other option, right, is that maybe Jesus is a liar. (laughs) Maybe Jesus isn't who Jesus says he is. He's a liar, right? Or the third one, and maybe the most interesting one, (laughs) at least the one that promotes a lot of conversation, um, is maybe Jesus is absolutely off his rocker, right? Maybe he's out of his mind and he's a lunatic. This is difficult for me to draw here. It's more convincing if it's scribbly, right? Okay. That was my attempt at humor, but <laughs> that's good. All right, so those are the three options that sort of stand before us, right? Either Jesus is Lord, Jesus is who he says he is, or uh, Jesus is a, what is this one here? Jesus is the liar. Uh, he's, he's kind of making it all up. He's got personal kind of um, gains involved, or he's completely wrong about his understanding of himself. And let me tell you why only one of these is really the option before us. Right? Because we all agreed that Jesus is a good teacher. And by very nature, good teachers tell the truth. Right? You cannot claim that Jesus is a good teacher and then say that he's lying about his lordship. He would not be a good teacher. Right? So for us to claim that Jesus is a good teacher is to say that Jesus is not 
a liar. If we think that Jesus is a good teacher, good teachers tell the truth. Jesus talks a lot about himself. So maybe those claims about himself are true. So we could say Jesus is not a liar. Okay, That's, that convinces a lot of my friends, right? We talk about it and they say, okay, I get your point. Maybe Jesus is not a liar. I, I said he was a good teacher. I understand. I'm good. Maybe he's crazy, right? Maybe he, he doesn't know what he's talking about. He's, he's, he's delusional. He has no idea. This is a really interesting argument, right? But the interesting thing when you look back at countless of sort of cults, religions, kind of really charismatic people who are generally, um, we would say, crazy, their following like builds up really fast and then just fizzles and dies and history for, forgets. They, they, they move on. They say, you know what, really, there was nothing to that prophet. There was nothing to that individual. So if Jesus really is crazy, you'd have to say, well, then it would eventually die out, right? But that, like, didn't happen at all. In fact, the opposite was the case, right? And we recall our history. The early church was deeply, deeply persecuted in Rome, and they remain convinced and convicted that Jesus was Lord because they had had a radical encounter and experience with God that was difficult to put into words and difficult to explain. And all they were left was saying, I can't tell you that Caesar's Lord because I believe deeply that Christ is Lord because Christ has worked in my life. And so we can say that maybe Jesus isn't crazy because... All of his followers seem to believe him, and granted, there are people who have been crazy, who followers who believe them, but again, they all fizzle out after time, and this trajectory of history is showing that more and more people are experiencing this God. More, more and more people are having experiences in prayer that they can't quite understand. They're having experiences that we would say of the Holy Spirit that they can't quite put into words, and they're saying, maybe, maybe this is real, and there's something to this, which leaves one claim on the table. Right? At least one thing that maybe Jesus is who Jesus says he is. That he and the Father are one. That he comes from the Father. That he sends a helper to intercede on our behalf. That maybe Jesus is Lord. And that was the rally cry of the early church. They said, we believe that Jesus is not just like a good teacher. He's not a liar. He's not a crazy person. But he's really Lord. He's the Son of God. And there's something that we can't explain about that and something that radically transforms us and our community and our practice. We don't claim that Caesar is Lord. We don't claim that the political system is Lord. We don't claim that economics is Lord. We say, no, Christ is Lord. Christ is King. Christ has authority over our lives. But we must remember that faith is best experienced and that it doesn't have to make sense all the time to be true. But for me, when I was riding on that lawnmower and I was thinking about this, wondering if um, Jesus made it all up or maybe he was lying, this entered into my mind and this began to make sense. I can just speak for myself, right? I can't speak for all of you. This began to make sense for me. I said, maybe Jesus really is Lord. And then what does that mean? Right? What does that mean? 
for Jesus to be Lord, for Jesus to be king. For me, Christ has to be Lord, and Christ has to be king, because there's no middle ground here. And what that means is I submit myself fully to, to God, I submit myself fully to Christ, so that my entire person is radically altered and changed. Again, it's not Josh calling the shots. <laughs> it's not, what would Josh do? It's really thinking deeply about how would Christ be, where would Christ be in this situation? How would Christ have me act in this situation? What characters and virtues is the Holy Spirit creating and building up in me as I submit to Jesus as Lord, as I submit to Christ as Lord? And again, for me, I think that's a better way to live my life. It's, it makes the most sense. I think it's the best way to live your life. I would argue that uh, selflessness is far better than selfishness. I would argue that courage and hope and faith is better than sort of uh, self-preservation and angst and worrying. Love and joy and peace are far more powerful and beautiful virtues than anything I could create on myself, by myself. And that happens because of the power of the Holy Spirit as I submit to the lordship and kingship of Jesus. I want to invite the band uh, back up as we respond to God in this moment. And today we recognize Christ as Lord, Christ as King. We recognize that if we confess the scriptures to be authoritative, and we think Jesus is a good teacher, he must be Lord as well, because there's not a whole lot of options on the table for us as we consider that. So if you've toyed with this idea of questions, of doubt, of wondering if Jesus is who Jesus says he is, I want to encourage you to take a couple next steps. If you've ever uh, wrestled with this like I have, if you've ever doubted, maybe you were mowing the yard too. I don't, I don't know where you were when you encounter your questions. Um, I encourage you to do this a couple of different ways. Take a next step by asking uh, to speak with a Stephen minister after service. We'll have some Stephen ministers available. They'd be glad to talk with you about your questions and doubts. Speak with the pastor. I know the pastors would gladly make themselves available. We'd love to go grab lunch. We'd love to go grab some coffee and just talk about kind of where you are in your uh, faith journey. All questions included in that. And then lastly, I'd invite you to sort of hang out. We talked about how faith is an experience, something that's difficult to put into words. The more and more you hang out, I just invite you to come and see. Come and see and experience this community. Come and see and experience Christ for yourself. And make your own conclusion with the help of the community around you. Will you pray with me? God, we fall at your feet. We admit our own limitations in thinking about uh, gigantic problems and questions and our own anxiety around that. So God, I, I pray that you would work powerfully in our life, that you would give us a spirit of understanding as Paul prayed for, and that we would come to recognize you as Lord. Thank you for your patience with us and your relentless pursuing grace. Praise in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.